Well, let me say good morning again. It is very good to see all of you here this morning. I just really look forward to these days when we can be together so we can worship God together, so we can be with our church family here, so we can show each other our love and support. We can encourage each other and also so that we can uh, spend some time devoted solely to our Lord and Master, Jesus Christ, His Father, our God, and also to feel the work of the Holy Spirit here in this place. So thank you for being here this morning. As we get started, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this day. Father, we thank you for every day that you've blessed us with because we know, Father, that each day is a gift from you. And Father, today as we focus on your son, as we focus on his love for us, Father, the the sacrifice that he made for us, Father, we want to confess to you that oftentimes we lose sight of what a, a tremendous sacrifice and gift that was and what a tremendous love that was and continues to be that motivated that sacrifice. And Father, we want you to know that our desire is to return that love, Father, to, to show you and to show the world and all those who are around us how much we love you. And we just pray, Father, that today will be a reminder of that, a step towards that. Father, as we continue our pursuit of you and our pursuit of being more and more like your son, Jesus Christ. And I pray this in his name, Jesus, the Savior of the world. Amen. So we are in the fifth week of an eight-week sermon series that we've called Resolve to Follow. And as I've mentioned every week so far, this sermon series grows out of our 2014 Netherwood theme. We're into a new month We've talked about the theme numerous times, so it's time for a test. Um, It's time to see if anybody, or hopefully everybody, remembers what our 2014 theme is. So all on the count of three, I want everybody to tell me what our 2014 theme is. If you need a cheat, it's on the front of your bulletin, just, just to help you out there. So on the count of three, one, two, three. That's very good. And why do we have that theme? Well, it's a a theme that reflects our desire to be a people that leave no doubt in anybody's mind, no doubt in our mind and no doubt in the minds of people who are around us, that we are followers of Jesus Christ. And we are followers of Jesus Christ in every place, at all times, and in all situations. So we want people to know that we are disciples of Jesus Christ. So in this series, we start out in the first week really kind of exploring that idea, that idea of being people who are in the image of Christ, who reflect Jesus Christ in every situation, that we consistently and clearly portray to the world that we are disciples of Jesus Christ. We then turned our attention to the importance of being dusty, the importance of having the dust of Jesus covering us, coating us, And that dust, we found out, comes only from following closely behind Jesus Christ so that we are covered in the dust that he raises up, that he kicks up. So we emphasized that you can recognize Jesus' dust because Jesus' dust reflects his compassionate, reflects his kind, humble, gentle, patient, forgiving, and loving nature. And then in our third week, we talked about the importance of counting the cost of following Jesus, the importance of counting the cost of following Jesus. 
And we realize that that's important because following Jesus does require change in our life. It will interfere with our lives. It does come at a cost. So we want to be aware of and know going into it that things will have to change. We will have to be different. Then last week, we were able to all celebrate together new lives that were born into our congregation in 2013. And that gave us the opportunity to talk about the importance of setting our children on the same path. Setting our children on the path to follow Jesus so they too can begin that walk. So they too can begin the transformation into the image of Jesus Christ. Because that's what we desire. That's what we want more than anything for our children is for them to be followers of Jesus Christ. And today we're going to spend our time talking about love stories. All you guys really excited about that, you know, like a chick flick or something, right? A romance novel. It's not going to be a chick flick or a romance novel. It's not going to be the equivalent of that in a sermon, but we are going to talk about love. And we are going to talk about love stories. And specifically, we're going to talk about Jesus' love for us. We're going to talk about Jesus' commitment to us. And we're also going to talk about the love that we are to have for Jesus and the commitment that we are to have to him. But before we turn our attention to our relationship with Jesus, let me spend just a few minutes telling you about a different love story, a personal love story. And I'm doing this, I think, um, because I hope it will help us as we talk about our love stories with Jesus. So I'm going to get personal and I'm going to embarrass my wife. So if you see her turn red over there, you'll understand why. So 37 and a half years ago, I set foot on Abilene Christian University campus for the first time as a freshman. And providentially, at the same time, a beautiful brunette girl from Chatham, New Jersey, set foot on campus at the same time. And I say providentially because I really believe that she was sent there specifically for me because God does those kind of things for me. Uh, I don't know about your opinion about love at first sight, but when I first met Kathy at freshman orientation, I was infatuated. I was enamored, enraptured, intoxicated. I was goofy about Kathy. Um, And I determined then, at the age of 17, that she was the one. She was the one. She was the one that I was supposed to spend my life with. Unfortunately, she didn't share that opinion at the time. Um, But I worked on that. What do you think I did? Convinced that she was the one. Convinced that that's who I was supposed to spend my life with. Well, I'll tell you what I did. I pursued her. I pursued her passionately. I pursued her single-mindedly. I pursued her pretty much at the exclusion of everyone and everything else because I was convinced that she was the one I was supposed to spend my life with. I ran through every caution sign. I ignored every stop sign because there was only one thing that really mattered to me, and that was Kathy and being with her. You know, I was pathetic. (laughs) I really was. Um, But I didn't care. I didn't care that I was pathetic because I valued a relationship with her so much. I wrote horrible love poems that I hope have been destroyed. I manufactured every reason possible for phone calls. I changed my schedule around so that by some odd chance we might encounter each other all in my passionate pursuit of Kathy. I would have done anything. I would have given up everything because my love for Kathy was so much greater than my love for anything else or 
anyone else. It was a love that appeared crazy to other people. Some of my friends kind of, you know, wanted to intervene. It's like, you're making a fool out of yourself over this girl, and I didn't care. Because uh, to me, it wasn't crazy. It was completely sane. It was completely rational because I understood the value that Kathy had to me. And because of that, there wasn't any price that I wouldn't pay. So I understand crazy love stories. And I also understand the fact that love stories aren't crazy if you're in them. They're only crazy from the outside looking in. And it's in that context that I think I can start to begin to understand the difficult words that, that Jesus spoke in Luke chapter 14, 26. Remember those challenging, difficult words he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. See, I, I think I can understand that because if it had been necessary to turn my back on my parents, to turn my back on my brothers, if it had been necessary for me to give up everything that seemed important to me, if that was what was necessary for Kathy to be mine, I would have done it. And it would have seemed crazy to other people, but it would have seemed sane and rational to me because I had no doubt, no doubt at all that Kathy was and would continue to be the great love of my life. And that's exactly the kind of love and commitment that Jesus asks of his followers. And that's exactly the kind of love and commitment that Jesus expects from his followers. So that leads us into our key point today. You'll find it in your outline in the bulletin. The key point is this, that choosing to follow Jesus is choosing him as the great love of your life. Choosing to follow Jesus is choosing him as the great love of your life. Not a love in our lives, but the love of our lives. So let's quickly look at four different people who wanted Jesus as a love in their lives, but weren't willing to make him the love of their lives. Turn again to Luke chapter 9, verses 57 through 62. Luke 9, 57 through 62. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And he said to another man, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. So in just a few sentences about three different encounters, Luke manages to capture the most common problem that many of us have. The common problem that we face when deciding whether or not we're going to follow Jesus. Whether we're going to follow him anywhere, at any time, and in any situation. See, the problem we have is that we want to love him. We want to commit to him. We want to follow him, but we aren't sure if we're willing to give up our other loves 
in order to do so. This passage forces us to ask ourselves, I think, two important questions. The first question is this. Will we let him, Jesus, be more important to us than the things that make us feel secure? Will we let Jesus be more important to us than the things that we think make us secure, like our homes, like our possessions, like our bank accounts? And the second question is, will we let him be more important to us than the things that make us feel like we belong and the things that give us our identity, things like our families, things like our friends, things like our jobs? Will we let him be more important to us than the things that make us feel secure? And will we let him be more important to us than the things that give us our identity? Well, in the 10th chapter of Mark's gospel, we read about another encounter with another man who wanted to follow Jesus, who wanted to be with Jesus, but wasn't willing to make Jesus the love of his life. Mark chapter 10, verse 17, we'll pick up there. Jesus had started on his way, and a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Do not defraud. And honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, All these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go, sell everything you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. See, Jesus has this consistent habit of identifying the one thing that we value. Of identifying the one thing that we love. Of identifying the one thing that we're most committed to. He identifies the one thing that we're most hesitant to. To let go. And he identifies that one thing that he asks of us. He says, am I more important to you than that? Do you love me more than that? Are you more committed to me than that? And that brings us to the first lesson that you'll find in the so what section of your outline in the bulletin. We need to understand that Jesus won't accept any rivals. He won't accept any rivals. He'll point to what you value most and he'll say, what about that? What about your family? What about your friends? What about your home? What about your retirement accounts? What about your career? What about your hobbies? Jesus asks, what about that? Do you love me more than that? Are you committed to me more than that? Will you give that up? For me. Can you imagine the reaction I would have gotten 36, 37 years ago if Kathy had walked into the world famous Bean? It is world famous, the cafeteria at ACU, for sometimes not the right reasons. And I'd been sitting there across from another girl, and I'd been holding her hand, and I'd been gazing into her eyes, enraptured with love. And Kathy walked in and observed that. What would her reaction have been? I mean, after all, my, all of my professions of love, 
All my talk of devotion, all my talk about commitment, should see me sitting across from another girl, holding hands and gazing love-struck into her eyes. What would her reaction have been? We all know you just don't do that. That's just wrong. I could have assured Kathy over and over and over again that I loved her best or that I loved her the most. But she wasn't going to be satisfied with best. And she wasn't going to be satisfied with most. What she was looking for was only. My love and my commitment was to her and to her alone. There weren't going to be any rivals. And we all need to understand that Jesus won't accept any rivals for our love and our commitment to him. So the question I have to ask myself is this. Is my pursuit of a relationship with Jesus as passionate as my pursuit of Kathy? Is my pursuit of Jesus as single-minded? Is my pursuit of Jesus as crazy-seeming to other people? Would I do anything? Would I give up everything? Would I do something because of my love for Jesus so much greater than my love for anything or anyone else? Does my love for Jesus appear crazy to others, but completely sane and totally rational to me? Well, I ask myself those questions because I'm convinced that my pursuit of Jesus should be a crazy love story. And I'm convinced that your pursuit of Jesus should be a crazy love story. We should pursue him passionately. We should pursue him single-mindedly, at the exclusion of everyone and everything else. We should run through every caution sign. We should ignore every stop sign because there should be one thing and one thing alone that matters to us. And that's being together with Jesus Christ. And if that appears pathetic to others, well, so what? We shouldn't care. Because nothing is more important to us than being with our true love, Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you, but my pursuit of my wife, I'm afraid, is much more of a crazy love story than my pursuit of Jesus. And that needs to change. That needs to be different, not by reducing my love and commitment to Kathy, but by making my love for her appear to be sane, sedate, mild, compared to the passion that I have for my Lord and Master Jesus Christ. You know, one of the reasons I was willing to do anything for Kathy was that I understood the value that she had. That's why I pursued her so passionately, because I understood her worth. I knew how important she was to me, and that's why I was willing to do anything and give up anything for her, because I knew my life without her would be incomplete. I think it's important for all of us to understand that our pursuit of Jesus is a reflection of the value that we place on a relationship with him. I think we all understand the wisdom of giving up something of lesser value in order to get something of greater value. So how many people in here would do this trade with me? I will give you a $20 bill in return for a $5 bill. Show of hands. Man, just... A lot of you people must not trust me because you wouldn't, you wouldn't even make that trade with me. We understand. A $5 bill has value, right? 
but not nearly as much value as a $20 bill. So giving up something of lesser value to gain something of greater value makes sense. We understand that. Jesus illustrated that perfectly in his parable about a valuable pearl in Matthew 13. He said this, he said, The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and he bought it. Because we pursue passionately the things that we value greatly. And if we have any doubts about what we value greatly, we only need to look at what we pursue passionately. Our treasure is where our hearts are. So to increase our passion for having a relationship with Jesus, we need to do some things. We need to understand his value. We need to recognize his worth. We need to know how important he is to us. We need to acknowledge that our lives are incomplete without him. But there is an element to our love story with Jesus that is different from every other love story. There's an element of the story that just can't be captured in any other kind of love story. Because our love of Jesus is in response to a love story that's unlike any other love story. So listen to this love story. Once upon a time, in a land far, far away, the king, the all-powerful ruler of everything, looked out on his rebellious, disobedient, and ungrateful subjects. But he looked out on them not with anger, but he looked out in love. And he decided that he needed to bring them back into relationship with him. And he knew that the only way that he could do so was by giving them his son. So his son gave up his home, his son gave up his rights, and his son became one with the people, the rebellious, ungrateful people. And the son loved greatly, and the son loved completely, and he chose to suffer greatly, and he chose to die. And he did all of that so the people could have the one thing that they needed, the one thing that was missing so that they could have a relationship with their master. And he only asked two things in return. He asked that they reciprocate his love, that they love him in return. And he also asked that they love others in the same way that they had been loved. Now that's a crazy love story. In fact, that's the craziest love story that there's ever been. See, Jesus demonstrated that he would do anything And Jesus gave up everything because of his great love for us. You know, it's a love that does appear crazy to others. But it's a love that is completely sane. It's totally rational. But it's only completely sane and totally rational if we understand the value that Jesus placed on us. Jesus loves us so much that he gave everything. So what should we do in response to a love story that's that crazy? In response to Jesus's crazy love story? Well, I'm going to invite you to respond to Jesus's love today in four ways. Four different ways. First, I'm going to ask you to evaluate your relationship with Jesus right now. Is Jesus the great love of your life? 
Does your relationship with him have the markings of a crazy love story? The passionate pursuit of the one you love? The second thing I'm going to ask you to do is to spend some time and really appraise, really evaluate the value of a relationship with Jesus. Just what is a relationship with Jesus worth? What price can you assign to his compassion? What price can you assign to his kindness, to his humility, to his gentleness, to his patience, to his forgiveness? What price can you assign to his love? What value can you place on his salvation? What is that worth to you? The third thing that I'd invite you to do is to spend some time remembering his love for you. We did that just a few minutes ago at the table. Time remembering Jesus' love for us. That should be an ever-present part of our lives. We need to remember that the depth of Jesus' love for us can be measured by what he sacrificed for us. And he sacrificed everything for us. He loved us first. And he loved us best. And he loved us the most. And he loves us completely. And that unbelievable love of Jesus is calling us to love him in return. And finally, I want to encourage you to continue or to ignite or to reignite your crazy love story with Jesus. If your relationship with Jesus has all the characteristics of a crazy love story, I want to encourage you to feed that love story. Nurture that love story. Strengthen that relationship with Jesus Christ. Value it. Treasure it. Protect it. And by all means, share your crazy love story with other people. Let them know what's possible with Jesus. But if your love story with Jesus doesn't have any of the characteristics of a crazy love story, if you have never passionately pursued Jesus, I want you to know it's not too late. You can ignite your love for Jesus. You can experience the kind of relationship that he wants you to have with him and the kind of relationship that he wants to have with you. And you can spark that kind of relationship by focusing on Jesus, by focusing on what he's done for you. Isn't it amazing and wonderful to be loved by the Lord of the universe. How incredible it is to be given the opportunity to love him back. And also I know that there's probably some people here that once had that crazy love story with Jesus, who once passionately pursued him, but now it's faded into something more common, something more mundane, something less passionate. And for you, I simply invite you to return to the love you once knew. Recapture that love. Reignite your crazy love story with Jesus. And you do that by allowing him to recapture you and recapture you with the great love that he has for you. So let's evaluate our relationship with Jesus. Let's all recognize the value of that relationship. Let's all remember the tremendous depth of love that he has for us, that he demonstrated 
as he went to the cross and died for us. So let's all do whatever is necessary to have our own crazy love story with Jesus. Let's all respond to the love of Jesus while we stand and while we sing about following him.